Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Hello, Otterites. Welcome to episode 142. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. So, welcome back here to the atrium at Studio R. We are super maxing and relaxing. That's right. Like that. I don't think we've used that one before. Yeah, yeah, but so we're kicked back in, in Robert's comfortable chairs. Uh, we've, we've got this train going of eschewing the card table or whatever table and, and just sitting in comfortable chairs. Well, and, you know, the, the mind can only articulate what the butt can endure, as some have said, so. Well, I don't know about some. You said it. It yeah, sounds so good to me. Uh, so I, I oh, it's, it's a saying, yeah. It's a saying. For those, those of us who uh, uh, homilize, it's, it's something to keep in mind. That's right. Okay. Well, good. I guess I should listen to more homilies. <laughs> yes, you should. That's right. So, gentlemen, well, you're always a good opportunity to nap. This is uh, February Code of Honor. Code of Honor, love it. Absolutely, one of our favorites. So, why don't we get right into it and just jump right here? This was not a themed one. No. So, this is uh, definitely just swinging wild. It's a hoopajoob of one. Anything goes. Anything That's right. goes. That's right. So, Francis, why don't you kick us off? You with wish yours? me to go first. Well, sure. how about that? I'm, 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 yeah, I'll, just lay right into it, brother. I'll just be gracious as the captain here and just and let you get us going. Okay, well, that's fine. Uh, uh, my quotation, I actually used this in a homily recently, so it's kind of on my mind because uh, I love it so much. It's just one of those. It's Socrates, you know, written by Plato, of course, but nevertheless, it's it's attributed to Socrates. You don't get much smarter than Socrates. I think we can all agree he's one of the, you know, as as empires go, he's the big one. As intellects go, he's the big one. It's, there's some truth to that. My quotation is, smart people learn from everything and everyone. Average people learn from their experiences. Stupid people already have all the answers. You know, I think it would be interesting to hear that one in Greek. <laughs> because the Greeks would have like specific words for certain kind, of, don't they? I mean, it, it's quite often, like learning correct. and knowledge all have sort of. They're separate, they're more yes. they they are more diverse in their language and therefore more specific. There's a lot of connotations that they put in they they put it in many locations, so you can be yes. more precise. Yes. Our stuff kind of polyglots everything together. One word, smart means lots of things. Lots of things, yes. Uh, and you're right. Uh, that's the English translation of it, though. Uh, those three things are meant to be juxtaposed from each other. I think we can infirm that, you know, infer that that's but you what... know, that, that's a quote that winds its way through uh, Western thought. Oh, yeah. Quite a bit. Uh, all the way to what even Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, small people talk about other people and big people talk about ideas. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. thing. Yeah. So I mean that 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 quote winds through a lot of the Western world. Left one. Very much so, I think. Uh, you're going to find that uh, who doesn't like to talk about stupid people? There's a presumption there, of course, that those who are talking are not. You know, everybody. You know, it's yeah. uh, well. You know, I'd say if you're not one of the stupid people, you don't like to talk about the stupid people for a couple of reasons. One, you have better things to do, and two, they're just so damned annoying. Well, yeah, there's well, some... because they already have all the answers. Well, it's, you're, you're going exactly, exactly right. And there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Uh, the measure of intelligence, and I'm not sure that's what 
Socrates means by intelligence. He may I mean think, wisdom. I think I think it's right. exactly, it's much broader than that. But uh, uh, it's probably all of that plus much much more. But what he's defining as stupid people, many of us have encountered. They are the ones who refuse to change. Well, refuse to, to question anything. Well, and that's refuse to learn. Well, yeah. refuse to learn because all of that implies change. Right. To question implies that you wish to change. Uh, uh, to learn is to change. So in many respects, there's a Darwinism at the bottom of this saying, those who will not adapt are themselves stupid. That real wisdom is the notion of admitting things you don't know. Uh And understanding that learning is a lifelong process. And it's broader than just your own small universe. That's where that average people comes in. Yes. Because they just, they and we've all met those people, and I'd like to think none of us are those, that can only talk about those dozen few, in right at the edge of their nose, issues over I think and you're over. giving them credit if you, if you say there's as many as a dozen. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's probably, that's, I mean, those, would be the, those would be the higher levels. Right. Experience is an important teacher, and it does form well, yeah, they, our basis of... Again, we're 80s people, we're 80s kids, our experiences are this set of conditions existed and things were good, therefore we start from that that place a lot. The quotation here says, smart people learn from everything and everyone, that includes experience. Well, yes, because what you said is is partially true in the sense that it didn't go far enough. All learning... Is from experience. Yes, it's all experiential of, of some sort. Yes, right. whether it's reading about something, uh, in that case, it's an entirely intellectual experience, yeah. or going out and doing something and learning from your mistakes, uh, which is what these smart people do. But yeah, the, they, 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 those, it's all of those the above. Are both right. valid learning. But thing. the really smart. Right. What was the, what, how would it call them? The, the smart people learn from everything and everyone. And what was the second one then? The average people learn from their experiences. Oh, average. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the average people never go beyond that. Well, there's not, but in this case, see, I would say that if you learn from your own experiences, you're above average. Because I think there are far more people who are stupid in the and, sense of and, this. And Socrates is saying it's also valid to learn from other people's experiences. And that is the highest form of learning. Is learning from other people's experiences. And it's very difficult. Yes. Because it is. it's hard to internalize the lesson of someone else's experience. Exactly. Because the conditions can be different, mm-hmm. uh, the circumstances of the experience can be different. Just the, well, and the, how you're thinking about don't it. work that way anyway. Mm, I don't know. I think there's a, if you have a, a form of empathy, you can. Well, ding, ding, ding. That's where okay. I was going. There you you go. can do this if you possess that gift of empathy. I truly yeah. believe that's probably. That's, very, that, very that's a, that is a very yeah. integral yeah. component. So I think what more Martin just admitted was that his, since his brain doesn't work that way, he has no empathy. Essentially. <laughs> empathy was yesterday. Today yeah. you're wasting my. Effing time? Time, yes. That's right. That's the... uh, Okay. right, you'll have to look up what that's from. So, but, you know, experience, uh, again, like I said, is is at the root of all learning. And as you said, the stupid people already know everything means they have nothing to learn. They they, they refuse. So, well, in their mind, they have nothing to learn. Right, yeah. Honestly, I, I, I think that... 
I, I really do believe that is far more the, the vast majority of people who fall into that. In, as you far you as would the, say the stupid people are the average? Yeah. Mathematically speaking here, yes. Well, yeah, because there's not enough of the outliers, meaning those who do learn from mm-hmm. mistakes and the experience of others, uh, to, be, to move the needle beyond the stupid. Average, as used in this uh, hearing, again, we'd love to have the Greek on it, it means uh, mediocre. Which, again... Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I maybe to, maybe at that point, we're talking about a very special time in history. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about the, the Greeks of Socrates' time. So, uh, perhaps the average really were those who learned from their own experiences. Yeah. Today, we have degenerated far beyond that, in my opinion. Well, and... I don't want to be as harsh on the average because at least they're learning. They are learning from experiences. They do, they do not refuse. They, they value learning. Right. Because yeah. I, I, either implicitly or explicitly, they yeah, value it. That's why I think say he, they're above average uh, as yeah. far as mathematics goes. Yeah. Well, not even, not even above that, just as far as quality. So you're the, putting the a regular whole... person. Yeah, I mean, the regular person is learning from personal experiences and hopefully getting better. The stupid think they know all the answers already, and then the truly above that then are willing to internalize the experiences of other people, possibly through empathy or Superman will to power. Because here's, I mean, there's a line here from this Socrates to Nietzsche. Sure, sure. Yeah, my point is... I did it again, I did it again, I brought in Nietzsche. I just think that the, the quantity of people that we would categorize into the stupid in this case versus the average versus the uh, truly above average. It's a pyramid and the base is built of the the stupid, uh, as he would say. I was going to ask you, give and us, give us a percentage. Being the base, yeah. it is far bigger. Yeah, I was going to say, give it's me a, a percentage. It's a 42-inch foot on this pyramid. That's right. That's right. That's can't right. have an 18-inch foot on a pyramid. Yeah, I have 42. That's right. Uh, a spaceship going to land next to this is going to tump over and land on somebody's kids. That's right. Give us a percentage before we move oh, on. Oh, God. Uh, a percentage. Smart versus average versus stupid. I would say that currently. Yeah. It's commentary on our, on our life. Current today. times. I would say the stupid are more than half. Oh, yeah. I, I would say we, we have a majority. Now, whether that majority is, is big, you know, how big that is, I'm not entirely sure. But I would say that the, the truly smart, and I don't mean just, oh, you know, yeah, I know, learned from my own experience, and, you know, okay, I went to school and I learned a few things. I mean, truly analyzing what others have done, see where they have gone wrong, and most importantly, making changes yeah. to do better. Change behavior, yeah. All right? To me, that's the top 10%. All right. At, at best, 10%. 10%? At best. 40% and 50%. Probably 10, 30, 30 60. 60. Yeah. I mean, that feels very cynical, like I should have said it. I know. I know. So, uh, uh, but it's, that's, that's, I, it's, why does he already know on it? Because I think it's, it says it's, something. I, I'm going to steal some Robert Thunder here, though, but I think encapsulated in the notion of the inherent dignity of the human person is believing people can move out of those Oh, levels. absolutely. So, now, I've always said that, you know, being stupid is worse than being ignorant. Yes. Because you can't fix stupid. Well, that's a Martinism, yeah. Ignorant. Well, we've all said that. Yeah, it's yes. a Ron White. Yeah. 
Right. I mean, we've stolen it. In the, Here, I've given it. you that oh, credit. Oh, yeah, that's a wrong way. Oh, and I don't even think he came up with that. He probably well, stole but it. But it's one of his CD titles. But it is, well, yeah. okay. But, I mean, we've all used it. True. And it, it's true because stupid implies that you're not willing. That's right. It's right. It's you already have the answer, so you already have the answer. Which goes back to what Socrates used to say. The reason the stupid are stupid is by their own fault. Right. Because I mean, to go with what you're saying, everybody has the ability. You have you control your own destiny. You control your own destiny. Right. You but have I the ability to learn. That. I do believe yeah. that everybody has the ability mm-hmm. to change. The problem with that sixty percent that we that we are categorizing as the stupid in this case, yeah, or the you know however you want to put it, is that they refuse to. Right. They don't recognize their own ability to change. Yeah, so whether you want to say that they're not recognized, but we, re- we retain hope that they that they can and will. I, re- I I absolutely know that they can. How much hope I have that they will? Uh, but you're supposed to be the hopeful one of the group. I, well, that's your thing. Yeah, I'm the cynic. Well, the, don't steal my cynicism. The the positivity that he has here is that it's possible. Yeah. That's all that, that's, I mean, the circumstance, so that's, that's right, hopeful, let's put it that's this hopeful way. in and of itself. I, I do not believe that anyone is 100% of any of these. All right? Nobody is 100% stupid and unable and unwilling to learn from anything. Because that's, that's just not possible. Yeah. Well, no, not, not a... It is a sliding scale. Now the person at the very bottom who is the least able to, yeah, there's there's somebody out there like because that. They're, 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 well, they're the becomes, most stubborn. In many that ways. becomes a whole different personality defect, uh, you know, the pride and arrogance. Yes, right, right, because right. they actually be very intelligent, but and because they, of the pride and arrogance, refuse right, to. exactly. It might not be a person like you say that's uneducated or ignorant. Yeah. Well, it yeah, could be a very educated. This person. is as, as we were saying. This is not about intelligence level. Not <laughs> right, really. right. That's why stupid is a very uh, in our perspective, English does us no favors. It does yes. not. Yes. Um, but it's a sliding scale, so that once you get to the the thirty percent or so that are average, uh, you know, you're talking about people that are the movers and shakers. You know, they're the people that are going out and inventing things and making it work and fixing what's broken. You know, the ten percent are the ones who improve even upon upon that and, and take it yeah, to the next providing level. Providing that inspiration. You know, maybe those are the, the, the Elon Musk as much as he gets on my nerves just because I think he's overrated. Uh, it's, uh, I think he's overrated in the sense that, you know, ooh, electric cars, he shot one into space. Big freaking deal. Well, pushy people to me, I've never... Uh, I, I think their well, arrogance is... My, I mean, he may be a great guy. He may even be all the things people say, but he is so... There's such a cult of personality around him that I am distrustful. Yeah. And that's well, not yeah. necessarily his fault. And right, and I recognize it's not necessarily his fault. I don't fault. think. I, I mean, he may not percept- do anything to disabuse yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> my my perception is he's not encouraging that. But yes, it, it, people. Ooh, it's like but you know, he seems like someone who is genuinely innovative. Yes, and, and attempting to change things. And the personality piece is just an ancillary function and not a deliberate. Uh, well, it campaign could have been his it's part. I like Steve Jobs because he cultivated that. Big yes, time. Now, was, actually, I would count Steve Jobs as one of those as a great example of all three of these things because oh. he absolutely could not learn in certain ways because yeah. he was an arrogant ass and treated people like shit. That's right. That's that's what a lot of. And his he legacy. could not learn from that. He could not learn because he had many failures. Yeah, 
and most of them were personal failures. Why did he get kicked out of Apple? Because he was an ass. Yeah. Now, why did he get invited back to Apple? Because he was an innovative genius. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's 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 all of the above in many right. respects. And, and yet, and he owns a set of blinders for those innovators. Which was people. ultimately his. They, they his, think they don't need anybody else. Which became right. his death because he thought that his genius, yes, that his did. his specialness, uh, and his it's very gnostic by the way, uh, special knowledge of, of the way to do things would save him. And, and it, it didn't. And it, it, it down the tube he went. Yeah. Uh, where he should have lived if he'd taken traditional treatments. Much longer. Yep. So in many respects, his own arrogance literally undid him. Yes. The people who are the 60% that's stupid, they're often they're arrogant one way or another. Uh-huh. Whether it's pride in their own intellect or pride that I don't need anybody else. And that's uh, why pride's one of the seven deadly sins. It's, it's the biggest. It's the it's biggest. right at the center of that's everything. Right. That's right. It is. Well, is it? And that's, that's what... That's, Jobs is a very good example of, yeah. of pride. Matter of fact... I don't know about Musk yet. Good question. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, so, so, oh, I'm sorry, Robert. I was going to say, ahead. so, you know, perhaps, perhaps instead of using intellect as the scale here, pride is the scale to use. Ooh. So, yeah. so the least prideful yeah. are the ones who can learn from not only their own mistakes, but everybody else's. Yes. Well, there's humility then. Yes. Yes. Humility yes. is a key ingredient for, you know, smartness, as Socrates defined it. Right. Yeah. So, Francis, you've done a tremendous job there. I'm I'm feeling inadequate in your shadow because you took classical Greek and then we've mutated and transformed it into the basis of Christian theology to a degree here. Well, it's... Judeo-Christian ethics. Well, you know... A lot of that through Aquinas... Goes back to well, Socrates, yeah, correct. And Plato, and yeah, Aristotle. from Aristotle, from Socrates Picard. to Aristotle well, to Aquinas. Learning is learning is learning. Truth is truth is truth. Uh, we can we can take those things that are universal about the human condition and beyond and reshuffle them. But in many respects, and there's we're working our repudiation with the of Nietzsche right there. We've been searching for a repudiation of Nietzsche for a while. Right. You know, when and you say is. truth is truth is truth, but we, with that the the codicil to that is. Until we understand it even better. Well, that's right because, because we, we will we will further define it. That's right because we understand now that yeah. the sun does not revolve around the earth. Right, but that, that takes the earth is away. not a flat disk. But yeah. those were facts, not truths. No, I think at one time those were considered. Truths. They were considered such. They were yes. considered such. That's correct. Yeah. But I mean, uh, it, they weren't really facts we have, we have, either. Well, right. We we have we have relegated them from the arena of truth into the arena of fact. But the it it because dis- can. it disabuses the notion of of perspectivism from Nietzsche. Yes. Oh, it, absolutely. It, 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 okay, right. To a degree, you're right. How we perceive an event has a truth to it, but at its core, there is a truth of X. We we can learn. That's a truth that yeah. isn't a part of a perspective. We can learn. And we can be better. And it, if we refuse to be better, pride is at its root. Well, I think, you know, honestly, I think that's the root of my problems with Nietzsche is his pride. You know, he's, his, his whole master-slave ment- mentality is based largely in his rejection of religion. Because he, he was such the prideful man that he Ooh, didn't understand it, yeah, how yes, yes. you could debase yourself 
by bowing down to a god. He threw which out the baby the, with the bathwater. Yes. Yeah, which was the whole point. He yeah. threw out, he tried to throw out Christianity, but in doing so, also threw out Aristotelian thought and Socrates' thought and all of this other along with it and well, tried to start from scratch. Well, you, you tried to deny he, the basic necessity for the human person to reach for something greater than themselves. Well, see, We're, but that's just it. To him, reaching for something greater could not involve bowing down or kneeling before anything else. Yeah, it's, it's the ultimate idolatry. So he, he, right, he started from scratch yeah, and it came says, to the will to power. Yeah, which means like, that nothing is greater dude, than me. Yeah, Socrates already did this for you. What, yeah. what are you scribbling for? <laughs> well, yeah. Love the way you just By throwing bring out what he saw as the the weakness, yeah. he threw out what is the basis for all of humanity. And by humanity, I don't mean just you know people. I mean what makes us human and tolerable to one another. Because let's face it, nobody liked him. There was a time when professors at his university encouraged students to not take his classes. And he actually had years where nobody signed up for his classes. How he stayed at those universities is beyond me. Yeah. But nobody would take his classes because he was so hated because he was such a jerk. <laughs> Which goes back to that Steve Jobs business. You know, being a jerk doesn't, you know, no matter how much power or authority or mystique you have, or how jerk, smart you think or you, you are. Smart you think you how many are. good ideas jerk, you have. Jerkiness. Uh, or as I said earlier, assholery. Assholery. I like that word it's, better. It's yeah. self as, as, We need that's others. That's it. That's it. We it's, need it's, others. That's right. Assholery gets you really nowhere. Right. I mean, if even Martin can say, we need others, you know that's got to be a... That's got to be a gospel. real truth. And, a real gospel yeah. truth. Stuff it, Freddie. <laughs> See, now you're stealing my thunder there. Well, yeah, that's my thing. Stuff yeah, it, it's a great transition yeah. point. Because Francis, Martin, you've got a lot. you got a Francis, you <coughs> That, that was, was fan- really that was good. great. Yeah, that, that was, was phenomenal. Fantastic. Well, you know, we never know where these are going to take us, so I'm and glad we, that it listeners, worked well. We planned zero of that. Yeah, he yeah. literally told us what he was going to say. We hit the record button on the microphone, and then went with it. Yeah. Which we is, can really go even Which is the great to. strength of us at Snakes and Otters. I mean, that's what we do: is we oh, philosophize. We All make right. clear that which is murky and go deep with things that must be done. Speaking of which, Martin, what's yours? So my turn. Okay. Again, really, really good, Francis. So I am uh, back to cynicism. H.L. Mencken. The whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed and hence clamorous to be led to safety by menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins all of them imaginary. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Right. I mean, this is one of those that... Uh, again, P.J. O'Rourke is very much in the Mencken tradition of... You know, our, the question isn't, why doesn't our government get anything done? The question is, when are they done? When right. can they stop? Uh, you know... When are we at the more perfect union stage? As long as you enforce the laws, most of the rest will get along okay. We'll be fine. Well, part of the problem, though, is that, and this is a legitimate question, is are, are the laws we have the right ones? Yes. And right. that's, that's often the crux of, of our issues. Whether we're chasing those illegitimate fake hobgoblins or not... 
uh, that's part of because because that's even part of your recognition of, of, of a lot of these issues is you know do we have the right laws right and, and again he's he's on practical politics meaning that retail getting in front of people and going well I'm going to fix this and I'm going to fix that and vote for me again how much how much of our political spectrum is made up stuff would these things really be issues yeah if they weren't Made up. It only issues because somebody decided they should be. Yeah. If it bleeds, it leads. Robert, you've said this many times. I mean, that plays that role as well of whatever the press decides to gin up as an issue, you know, becomes, okay, well, we must be led to safety. And there you go. Well, then we have the unintended consequences. Or sometimes the intended consequences. Yeah, the intended consequences of, well, all right, let's surrender a little bit of our autonomy so that this one man with a vision gets a little more power. And, you know, that's that's the He bristles well. He does. It's very good. You know, the fear is... And again, this is... I get this... What the press focuses on. And I, I don't mean to, to lessen the import of COVID. Certainly it's it's important. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You know, is it the flu? The original variants were not. They were more dangerous. Absolutely. But the focus shifted. And this is why, you know, I feel like I'm legit in criticizing presidential administrations, they felt, I felt like both moved the goalposts because... Our, our governor did as well. Yes, the governor. So the one, especially the one in Michigan. Lots of, uh, lots and lots of politicians moved the goalposts because originally it was, this Flatten is dangerous. Curve. Yes, it's going Flatten to curve. overwhelm hospitals. And then it morphed into this daily tabulation of cases. Well, so What? 80% of those cases were somebody had the sniffles over the weekend. Especially now, we, we understand, I think this is a legitimate statement, Omicron spreads very rapidly, but it's less severe. It is sorry, far less severe, Than yes. the other va- But variants. it is still requiring uh, acute care, not to the... To not the, to the extent the early the, ones But are. enough care, though, we are once again at the point where we are overwhelming the system. But it does appear to be less deadly. And, and people are being, people are hospitalized, but the ICU level is not the same. Originally, oh, yeah, the ICU level was, that's what was Right, we don't have enough ventilators and right. so on. Now, yes, there are still hospitalizations, but people are moving out of those. Much, much faster. Much faster, and it's yes. not as acute. So a, a daily tabulation of cases and this whole, well, this is more cases than we've ever had. That's simply fear-mongering. Yes, it's factual, yet fear-mongering. Yes, the vast majority of those cases are, again, somebody had a sore throat over the weekend. Well, again, you know, another uh, example of... You focus on, well, let's focus on hospitalizations and what that's really meaning. And and let's let's pull down the fear and start dealing with this in a way that's much more... Rational, yeah. Well, yeah. Which begs the question: What purpose does the fear serve? Oh, control. It, well, it's an excuse for control. Well, that's yeah. kind of where we're going with this. Is not just COVID, right? Anything. All of these hobgoblins. That's yes. kind of where real or imagined. Bring this back to is 
it, ultimately, it, it, fear yes. only benefits somebody. Yes. Well, one, follow the money. I was just going to say that. And two, yeah. whoever can appear to be riding the crest of the fear effectively becomes that next... Superman? Yes, that Napoleon? next... Yes, that savior. next man, savior? that next savior. Yeah. You know, again, if, if there were a state governor riding that fear... They'll ride it to the White House. That's, exactly. That's, well, that's well, the whole. And it becomes a building block for your ambitions. And, you know, often... If it's done right. Just being seen doing something is all that's important. And that's perception one of those, is reality. Yeah, yes. I mean, that's one of those things that I always bristle about. Well, somebody's got to do something. But it's got to be the right thing. Oh, absolutely. Slow we hear, down. We hear that a lot Slow in election down. years. I remember yes, there was... Somebody's got to do that something. That goes back to... I mean, I remember first hearing that in 92. Well, somebody's got to do something. It was everywhere that yes. year. Uh, and, you know, this is... You know, why is this so awful? Yeah, somebody's got to do something about health care. Somebody's well, got to... But what? we got to think this through. Yeah, just because somebody... Again, that, you know, that whole thought without action, or, action without thought... Or all ideas are equal... Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, but it's you know what? Nobody nobody truly believes that. Nobody even really practices that. It's only except in meetings. You well, except <laughs> in meetings, yes. Except in there, meetings. There are no bad ideas. Throw them. Out. Oh no, that's a bad idea. We're throwing that yeah, out. Yeah, yes, yeah, throw exactly. that one right out. As a matter of fact, you you don't get to have any more ideas. <laughs> what? You, you have just disqualified yourself. You say that, but there is truth to that. <laughs> yes. Somebody really, and they are the group will marginalize somebody very quickly, and they usually know. Well, and but you know what? That is in in a microcosm what plays out at the macro level, at the national level, and that yeah, it's not true. There are no good ideas. There are only good ideas when they come from my side of the aisle. Yeah. That's great. And ironically, sometimes those ideas switch sides of the aisle. Well, absolutely they do. Our current president said any president who has 200,000 people die on his watch should resign immediately. Well, the current president had 600,000 people die on his watch. And he hasn't resigned. And he hasn't resigned. Yeah, exactly. Be careful. So, and, And I'm not advocating for him or the other guy at all. I'm just pointing out how the goalposts move. And how the standards change. Well, you know, Joe Straczynski said it very well in Babylon 5. You, know, you don't hand somebody a gun if you're not sure where they're going to point it. Right. It's, you know, the, the, of course, or as I like to put it, don't ask a question you don't already know the answer to. Well, absolutely. That's the same thing. Yeah. And I guarantee you that every time we've got one of these hobgoblins come up, somebody's asking the question, what do we do? They already know what they want to do. They're just ginning up the excuse to be able to do it. Right. They have to. And they that, have to connect some dots for people. Yeah, and it always leads to an accumulation of power somewhere. That's yes. very Nietzschean of you, sir. Of all about everything is about what the way to power. Unfortunately, it's also very Stalinist. But he was the one that wanted to benefit from that accumulation of power. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, but, and he actually did it very all effectively. All fascist totalitarian regimes are Nietzschean mm-hmm. because it involves a master-slave relationship. We may not want to call it that. And it involves a hobgoblin. Yes. You know, that, that has to be made to seem that only government can tame it. Right. Or, only a, I or can a change in ideology in their case. Yeah. If, if you're talking about that, is only, the Tsar is so bad, only Bolshevism can save us. Yeah. And Stalin didn't create that narrative, but he wrote that narrative and solidified that narrative. Well, he transformed it from Bolshevism can save us to Stalin can save us to Stalinism. Yeah, Stalin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. yeah it is. It is an insidious 
way of going about things, but it is unfortunately the the current default. Honestly, I would argue that it has probably always been the political default. Yeah, uh, certainly Minkin was he had no idea about today. Right. I mean, this is, this was written when this, this this quote is most likely I would say from the fifties. Oh, oh well, yeah. I mean, think about that. You're talking about the Red Scare. Yeah. I mean, you could make the argument that, that is a perfect blueprint for what's going on today. You know, the way, thing, way we go really? about things. Okay. And you could make the argument in the 30s that what Hitler did in Nazi Germany was Very the exact much. same thing. It is. It's a, it's, and again, it's the notion of practical politics being the accumulation of power politics. Yes. Yeah, the only thing. And in order to do that, you have to take the power from someone else. Well, yeah. Cause, Us. Well, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, ultimately. Well, you, well, you, you do take it from from your political opponents too. Sure, but that's that's more shifting what's there. But it's always big government and big business are always the same in this sense. They always want to get bigger, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why they work so well together. Because big big business helps big government get bigger, and big government helps big business get bigger. There's a gluttonous symbiotic relationship. There, there. really is. Uh, that's why, you know, the small businessmen, small businesses, and individuals traditionally have always been the driving force behind the economy. Ford and GM and Tesla and all of those things, they're flashy, but... They're rarely disruptive. Exactly. Usually they, they once were disruptive. Tesla is still disruptive. They're yes. still at that... But yet, they've also become one of the biggest... I'm not sure based on what, to be perfectly honest. Well, that's well, sales because share, but yeah, well, they don't sell enough cars to be worth as much money as the the, the company is. That's correct. Although they seem well, to be selling more and more. Yeah, I mean, they're betting on people are betting on the future. Yes. of them being the dominant player in that market. I don't and, think they will be though. And that market becoming bigger. I, well, I think the market will definitely become bigger because I think it's a move. It's a place we have to go, whether it's you know. Because, I mean, because realistically, at some point, yeah, we probably should convert from burning fossil fuels in our cars to get around because it's nasty. Well, it's and also, and it's also finite. Th- I mean, come on, you know. Well, it's finite, but, you know, from our perspective currently, it's infinite. Well, that's correct. That's right. Because I mean, we have enough supplies to where we don't have to worry about it. But it is the paradigm that works. But it is the paradigm that works. But, you know, at some point... Because the idea, uh, surprise, surprise, people, the idea of an electric car isn't new. No, it's not. No, it, it's, <laughs> it's been tried... But it was never it was never able to be anything but inefficient well, before. Well, it's still not efficient. You're correct. It's not there yet. It's because, better, but it's not there yet. You know, unless I can go, unless I can treat it like my propane tank, and when I run out of gas, one one out of a charge instead of waiting eight hours for it to charge when I'm on a cross country trip, yep. I just swap it out like I do my propane tank for my grill. You know, yeah. or the charge lasts so long that you don't worry about it until you know, except once a month. It's not practical. That's yeah. That's where other, other than a commuter vehicle. Other than a commuter vehicle, but you could accomplish the same thing with a hybrid. Yeah, at, at a much cheaper rate. Because uh, my former pastor, uh, who uh, is the great bourbon lover that uh, inspires us all with his collection, indeed. Uh, you know, he he bought one uh, 2013-2014, not long after I got my car, mm-hmm. and he, he used to just revel and gloat over getting an average of about 90 miles per gallon. Uh, on a bad month, you get like 60 to 70. Uh, and basically fill up once a month. And that's tremendous. And that is absolutely I, I, tremendous. I love that. I do too. And, and again, it, it really does work 
in that instance. Right. It's it, got a particular use case. Yeah. It, it works for his driving habits. Yes. In my current driving habits, I would love to have one because I almost never get on the expressway anymore because yeah. I work from home. It has to pencil out properly exactly. for, for somebody. So it has so that particular solution that is being pushed has a particular use case, but it's not universal. Right. And so you know who gains power? Who gains? Who benefits from that? You know. Well, the greenies benefit because uh, the, the, their ideology wins, and of course they get to dictate certain things to the rest of us. Again, you know, it, it really does fit your paradigm. Now, if we were to naturally move to that, that would be one thing. But it's the top-down yeah. forcing right. of things yeah. on people. And again, I'm not opposed to electric cars, a super incredible engineering feat to have them be as efficient as they are. But, I mean, this idea that we must transition to this all-electric car fleet... In the well, next the 10 years, it's not going to happen. The, 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 we'd overwhelm the grid. You can't do it. The grid barely hanging on as it is. And all you're doing is substituting one type of energy production for another. You're not really getting anywhere. No, because... You're going to have to build more power plants, and unless you build nuclear, you're going to be burning something yeah. that is going to put pollution exactly. in the air. You're just moving the gasoline out of the car engine into the gas turbine that's generating electricity. Exactly. It's the same thing. Now, you may you're get... Create, you're creating essentially the same pollution. Well, not necessarily. You know, Unless you build coal and, and oil plants, uh, your, your pollution is... If you build those, your pollution would get worse. If you go to natural gas plants, your pollution would be less. That that would be better. Uh, but your your nuclear plants would be better, but you're gonna have to build so many of those that gasoline's net, going to do, yeah. I mean, well, I don't think there's too many nuclear, too many power plants to build that, that burn gasoline. Yeah, basically all of California is powered. Really? Yeah, on essentially the gas turbine. Really? Is it, is it gas or is it ethanol? Oh, it was not ethanol. Okay. Now, for ethanol, that'd be another thing. Can you imagine all the all that corn? Would there would be corn planted all the way up to the atrium windows. There would be yes to, to have enough ethanol to yeah. do. So yes, diversity of your energy production is important. And this notion that everybody could be driving an electric car in the future is nonsense. It's not going to happen. Not yet. And if, like you said, a much longer game. Who does this benefit? Well, it benefits people who can afford. You know, sixty and seventy thousand dollars for a car that has you know whatever features and two hundred fifty mile range, and then you got to wait eight hours for yeah, you go anywhere else. Yeah, or people who basically can fly everywhere they want to go. Right. Or, it, well, Teslas are status cars right now. They are. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's some hope when you when you see the Ford making a totally electric Mustang, the Mach E, which mm-hmm. is a sharp looking car, by the way. I don't know if yeah. you guys have seen it. That is a gorgeous looking car. And from what I understand, the acceleration on that thing is monster. Yes. Uh, but you still, you know, you can only fit so many people in it, and you got to recharge it overnight. And, you know, but again, you're not taking your Mustang cross country either. So. 
And therein lies the rabbit hole, gentlemen. We yes. have slid yes. down that. Well, but I mean, but it's a, it's a good a, a good example of how these things get pushed. You know, yeah. that's the crisis we're trying yeah. to solve. And yeah, do I want a cleaner environment? Absolutely. Yes. But is that the way I want to go about it? Yeah. I mean, I love fuel efficient cars. Oh I yeah. Pay attention to my fuel efficiency. Oh, uh, the uh, nerd in me loves see my my miles yes. per gallon I mean, really hot. That's one of my gripes about the traffic. Kills yes. my gas mileage. Yes, exactly. I mean, not only is it inconvenient, but look, I could get, if you dopes would get out of the way, I could be getting 30, 32 miles to the gallon. Instead, I'm getting 27, 28 because you won't get out of the way. Right. And, you know, that that speaks to how bad your commute is because I get, you know, 26, 27 on my surface driving around around town here. Yeah. Uh, with this, you know, as far as I go, which is not very far anymore. But uh, in, in your car, on a... If, if you had a highway commute, oh, 32, I, I, 33, 34 would definitely be in the range. Oh, yeah. 32 would get. be the minimum. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could get be getting excellent mileage. And, and When I drove to and from Michigan a couple of times in my car, I hit 40 for the average for the trip. Right. Because you could hold a constant speed. On relatively flat land. Or, yeah. You know, once I got into Ohio. Because from here to, to Cincinnati, oh my God, the ups and downs, yes. it kills you. Plenty of that, but but yeah. the, you know, the commute around here, the start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. You know, you speed up, you get up to a good consistent speed, and then, oh, i got to drop back 10 miles an hour because somebody changed lanes. Right. And, and all that acceleration on. and deceleration just kills your miles. Yeah. So, yeah, always ask. Follow the money. Yeah. You know who benefits financially and who benefits with the power. Because power is its own economy. Power is its own economy. Uh, some people would much rather have power than money. Yeah, uh, money is simply a form of power in many respects. It yeah. can be. It depends on how you use it. But power guarantees money. Money doesn't always guarantee power. No, that's correct. Yeah, sir. Yeah. Uh, so time for a bourbon break. Time for a bourbon break. Yes, bourbon break. break. Well, so what the hell I'm going to use. So I'm oh going to let just... Francis go first because we kind of frozen him out while Robert and I argued a bit. That's all right. No, we discussed. I don't think we argued anything. No, no, no. You're, yeah, you're correct. We do that. Yeah, it was a spirited moments. discussion. Yes, that was a very good with, one. With a lot of comedy to it. Well, yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, uh, a lot of agreement there. When we're all able to, to have a three-way conversation, it's great, but it's difficult. Well, yeah. It's but very you know hard what? to do. It's the, it's, the best kind of three, it's the only kind of three-way we're ever going to participate in. He had to go there, didn't he? So, Francis, what do you have? Matt? 1792, that great year. Uh, I'm sticking with it. Uh, it's a darn smooth. Doing it neat. I, you guys know I've been doing neat most of the time these days. Uh, it just it flows. It sings. It uh, it, it warms the the belly and the esophagus and the, the and the spirit and the spirit. The spirits warm the spirit, which is. Should be an always thing here, yes. so uh, I'm, I'm very so very happy with that. I just polished off my glass of 1792. I'm going to need a refill pretty soon, probably. Yeah, I I, I will too after we finish this episode because uh, huh? I'm finishing off my my Trader Joe's. Uh, really well, has quite the nice nice stash these days. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, though I am I am running low on some things. I need to. I'm going to have to restock soon. Yeah. Well, you know, but it's inevitable, I suppose, for all yeah. of us. Uh, but you know, the Trader Joe's again. It's uh, I, the more I have it, the more I, I'm coming to appreciate it. It is definitely not a straight up. It's rock gut straight up. It really is. Really? So this is the kind that uh, you walk into the old West Bar and say, give me a thing of your rock gut. Bar this is what they would hand That's you. That's what they would hand you. That's this right. is what they would hand you. If you're looking to punish yourself with alcohol, 
Straight up Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. This is the cheap stuff. But not that it's cheap, cheap, but it's just. I think it was inexpensive. I don't. Remember, yeah. I, don't remember, I don't remember what uh, Mrs. Roberts said. But anyways, but if you want a, a good sipping bourbon that just add that ice and some that splash of water to, to bring out the improves it tremendously. Oh, it does. I really can't speak enough about that. What what it can do. It doesn't. That doesn't do it for necessarily all bourbons. But it really. If you find a bourbon that really doesn't sit well with you, that's got to be your next step. It really does. Just alter it. Make it sing. Make it dance. Do some puppet show stuff. Come on. That's right. Excellent. All right. So, Robert, let's roll, man. Let's, let's, okay. Let's wind this up with uh, with yours. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So, what I have found is <clears throat> quote from uh, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Goethe. Oh, How about that? We've a... not had Goethe appear here before. This, this is, is good. Be good. So, this is good. This one, uh, I think, touches... Most directly on Martin's quote, uh, really piggybacks on it quite a bit, but the mechanism for how it works, I think, is tied to Francis's quote. Oh, good. Very good. So this is how we're going to tie it together. So, divide and rule, the politician cries. Unite and lead is the watchword of the wise. Now. I'm a uniter, not a divider. That's right. That's right. Oh, how about that? Uh... So the divide and rule, I mean, that's essentially what Martin's quote is talking about. Yeah. You know, you're pitting one against the other so you can take power from each other. Because if you, if, you, if you take two groups and make them fight, they're both weakened afterwards. And therefore, you can step in and, and seize control. Like I mean, Spectre. Like Spectre, yes. Oh, very good, sir. Very uh, good, that's right. So, I thought I saw Spectre at your shoulder. That's right. So, you know, that's the, that is kind of the, a quick one-sentence summary of how that so works. So this predates identity politics... Yeah. By a hundred years and foresaw it and understood it was crap. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's not Scottish. Therefore, it's Girk crap. is a smart guy, man. But the unite and lead being the watchword of the wise, I think that plays very much into Francis's uh, uh, quote about the the smart learn from from others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that really is the wise. Because if you think about how uh, uniting and leading works... You know, that is taking a disparate group of, of people, opinions, and ideas. Yeah. Getting them on the same page. Getting them to learn from others. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, because they're not going to learn from themselves or uh, learn at all unless you start working with one another. That's when you truly up right, the game, right. as we talked about. And I think this is really... Francis's quote is the, the core... Of how you defeat the problem, in Martin's quote. Ooh, very good. Nice one, Centurion. Liked it because learning from the mistakes of others to get better. Because again, you can learn from the mistakes of others to do evil. Sure. So, you know, I'm putting that out right now. When we talk about learning from the mistakes of others, it's to get better, not just for you, but for others. Uh, Because again, as, as Martin, so. Astonishingly says, we need each other. You know, we need people. We may not like them, but we still need them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. And you know, and and that's very often true. You know, we don't. People wear me out. Well, but I recognize I need them. Introverts. That's a that's a thing. Yes, it's just, yes. That's just a thing. It's it's not a big. But society deal. is a quilt, and we've all got to hold up our corner. Oh wow! Look at that, Martin. Where'd you did you steal that? Did you make that? 
you pulled I'm hoping that you, one's an original. You pulled well, that one right out your ass. How about that? Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to give that one to you. We're right? going to give that yeah. to you. Absolutely. And we, uh, the more people who let go of the quilt, they often climb into the middle and have to be held up, which makes it harder on the people who are still holding the edge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's you know, the, this whole, it, your quote, Martin, was all about how, uh, how awful that mode of thinking is about uh, dividing people, tearing them dividing apart. Dividing people to gain power. power. Uh, which, I don't know that, well, I, I think that's always going to be, if, you, right. if you're dividing people, pitting them against one another, or just separating them so they no longer have a common purpose. Always the goal is going to be gain, to gain power of some kind, whether it's authority, fame, or money. And it's always short-sighted always. because it's always about that power. Yes. Right. Whereas leadership is always about someday they're not going to need me. Yes. It's just create a sustainable situation where you yourself benefit and are not necessary. Uh, that's that's the Washington right. type George right. Washington type thing. Right. Uh, Someday I'm going to walk off the stage, and my goal is, you all aren't going to notice because you're ready you're, to take you're, over. You're fine. We have a success. That's so, real leadership. Exactly. Right. So just to show that we can apply this stuff anywhere, and if I had my my uh, Mjolnir, I, I would. You would hammer it home. Yeah, I would pound this sucker because I'm gonna I'm gonna reach back, not reach around. But I'm going to reach back to our uh, episode on the Normans. Okay. Yeah. And so when William the Conqueror comes and he defeats the army of Godwinson, basically when he dies, when Godwinson dies, the battle's done. Now, it's not, it's like, oh, he's dead, we're all done immediately. But essentially, when your leader falls, it's done. What you were fighting for no longer matters. And that's kind of the same thing here. In that when you have something that's based on a cult of personality or you have something that is driven from the... Where the leader drives from the front. Now, there's leading from the front, but there's also you know something about keeping your generals in the rear to be able to, to see everything. And, and while, yes, a general or a leader needs to be able to share the risks of those that he's... Lead, or she is leading, uh, there's something to be said for not being an integral part of the action. And because you're trusting those yes. below you to get the job done. Right. Be, having to be an integral part of the action is being one of the stupid. Because you're not. Right. You already know everything. Therefore, you have to do it yourself. That's well, leading from the front. You're not sharing. You're not sharing. You're keeping all the power. Yeah. If you want to look at it that way. Uh, so, yeah. You know, uniting and, how did he put it? And uniting and leading is the watchword of the wise, mm. uh, and that that is the that ten percent that we talked about, well that I designated since Francis made me put a number on it, or did you make me put a number? No, on I made it? you. Yeah, put a you number did. On yeah, it. yeah, yeah, that's right. right. Uh, so we keep you alive to serve this ship. That's right. So row well and, and live. live. That's right. Mm-hmm. Ben Hur. That's right. If there's a yeah, you need everybody to be rowing in the same direction. To make something a success. And real leadership then is unifying whatever that is to be a success in some manner. But, well, I wouldn't necessarily call it leadership, but I, because I would flesh it out this way. 
It's making them want to do it. Yeah. Not forcing them to do it. Exactly. Because your quote, uh, France, uh, Martin, whoever the hell you are, that uh, is more about the, the power aspect. And that's forcing those guys rowing to do it in unison. Yeah. Whereas if you're that 10% that, uh, who is trying to unite and lead, because uh, you're inspiring, you're inspiring them. Hey, we got some place to go and we can only get there if you guys do it together. That's right. And I'm going to help you get there. I'm going to help you do that. That's far different than... I'm, I'm going to be the inspiration by doing it the way I'd like to see it done. And you know, even that has to be um, temporary. Because again, if you're too much the inspiration, it dies when you do. That's right. Yeah, you're, no you're irreplaceable. Yeah. You've got to spread knowledge. You've got to be... Yeah. You've got to be the leader who's willing to hand things out. Yes. Yes. It, you know... You cannot create anything lasting that requires you. Well, that's because spreading your seed as far and as wide as possible in many respects. In many respects, this, yes. Although this is not sperm, this is the same principle in many ways. Uh, your intellectual seeds, you know, your ability seeds, uh, your yeah. visionary seeds, all yeah. those things need yeah. to be spread far and wide to take root so when you diminish... They will flourish, right? And then this is it's very biological. It, it's it's also very John the Baptist. Yes, it is. It's a little bit Darwinian too. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's why Washington is one of these more key figures in history than almost anybody else. Yeah, is he somehow saw that? Yeah, and did it, and did it, and and walked off the stage confidently that. Sure, Adams and Hamilton and these other guys, it'll be okay. Yeah. They don't need me. Right. In fact, they mustn't need me. Yes. They yes, yes they that's, the, need me. that's the key. Yeah. You they know, mean. that's probably the most important thing a leader can learn is that they mustn't need me. They can need me for now yeah. and for this or that, but they mustn't truly need me. Well, that's Cincinnatus. That's where yes. that comes from. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. the same thing. But it, it's it's incredible. Those guys were also inspired by what they learned from others. Right. Essentially, the Roman Empire, how the Roman Republic fell apart. Yeah. They learned those lessons, and it's ingrained into a lot of their thinking of whatever you call it. I mean, Hamilton got accused of being a monarchist and all this other, but he was just kicking ideas out. But they understood at some point the idea is to leave the stage. Lead well, but have others ready to take And, and make sure the stage doesn't go with you. Well, and, yeah, The you stage know, must remain. And that's, the I players think, may change. Must I think change. that's one of the, the beauties of our system is that what makes the Constitution, I think, probably the most important governing document ever written is that built into it is the mechanism to make itself better. Hmm. Yeah, because self-perpetuate. It, it, there's a mechanism to amend the Constitution to improve it when necessary. Now, not every amendment has been an improvement, uh, but for the most part, yes, we have moved That income forward. tax one especially is a little dodgy. I was thinking prohibition. I was but, going prohibition, that's right. Yeah, which, but, but you yes, know, we fixed that. We, but, you know, but the income tax one, uh, you, know, you could certainly make an argument for that. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, it also enabled things that, uh, that we do take for granted nowadays. Uh, it enabled the government to do things that 
uh, probably could not have done. Which, you know, Martin may argue, well, maybe they shouldn't have. Maybe they shouldn't have. But would we have put a man on the moon? Would we have been able to fight World War II? Uh, much less World War I. It does put you in a position of being able to rapidly have the funding to ramp up to a huge thing. Yes, whatever. but the be. problem is, they ramp up, but they almost never ramp they down. They never ramp back down. Yeah. So, but anyways, the, the point is, though, that the, the, the Constitution is a great uh, example of that they must not need me because we're trying to... Because this generation, the revolutionary generation, is trying to leave it so that the next generation doesn't have to be as lucky or as good as we were. Yeah. Mm. And they don't have to have another revolution. And they don't have to have another revolution. Have to figure now, all granted, this out. we still had to have another one 80 years later. Yeah. Because you can make the argument Civil War was another revolution. It is. Well, you can make the argument it was the third one, because technically the second revolution was the War of 1812. Yeah, we haven't done one on the War of 1812. Talk a little bit about Andy Jackson, but uh, one of these days I think we need to do an 1812. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot there. Well, yeah, let's wrap this up, because this has been tremendous. You guys did an awesome job. Awesome, awesome job. Well, thank you. That thank was you. a terrific uh, code of honor. Again, completely unscripted, unprepared, unready. We just, we just ran with it. We just allowed our fecundity to flow. So. That's a good thing. Yes. So, you want to ask him or should I? Let me ask. Uh, I just enjoy this so much, and as captain, I feel like it's a responsibility. Francis, buddy, what is next time? People you should know, heroes... It's actually your show next time, Steve McQueen, oh. the great guy. Yeah, this is one. This is the one. King this is a hard one. Yeah, you're gonna captain it. You're gonna talk about why this guy was as awesome as he was, as badass as he was, because he was, and all the great things of that era that he was so responsible for in film. Enjoy. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel. <laughs>